0: Hey there, it's Kate Swoboda, also known as Kate Courageous. I'm the creator of yourcourageouslife.com, the director of the Courageous Living Coach Certification at teamclcc.com, and I'm the author of the book, The Courage Habit, which is available at booksellers everywhere, and of course, at Amazon. And as you might have guessed, I'm the host of this podcast, the Your Courageous Life Podcast. We're gonna talk about going after what you want and living a more courageous, emotionally resilient life, I might drop a couple of F-bombs, so don't listen with your kids in the back seat. And here we go. Okay, before we get into today's topic, which is all about navigating a big life transition and getting some help when you are in the messy middle, I wanted to let everybody know that I am going to be making some major updates to the Courageous Living program. If you already own the Courageous Living Program, you will get all of the updates. You will get all of the bonuses. I am so excited about releasing this again. This is a program that has helped a lot of people. I still get emails about it. It is designed to be completed in 90 days. And the Courageous Living Program really, I think, gets to the bottom of how limiting fears Or if your fear shows up as overwhelm, um, if your fear shows up as stress, self-sabotage, however your fear shows up, you get clear on how it shows up. And in that clarity, you stop being limited by it. Those hidden fears, behaviors, belief systems, they sabotage your efforts to change. And that's why people get stuck on that self-help hamster wheel where they feel like they're furiously trying to make their lives better and not necessarily seeing the benefit. So you want to learn a little bit about that, head on over to CourageousLivingProgram.com. It'll take you straight to the page you need to go to. Um, And if you purchase your copy now, because there will be a slight price increase, if you purchase your copy now, you will be able to start working with some of the tools now. And then when all of the upgrades roll out, you will get all of those upgrades. All right. Let's get into navigating a big life transition. A lot of help for you on that today. So here we go. Some people's transitions start with yearning. I love it when people start with yearning. It's a very healthy thing to do. So basically, if you're one of those people, you yearn for something better and you establish a vision for something better and then you step towards it. Very nice, right? When that happens. I got to tell you, my own life transitions start with discontent. (laughs) Raise your hand if you're that person. It's like, oh yeah, sister, I'm picking up what you're putting down. For me and for most of my friends, frankly, and for every client that I can think of, when this discontent starts up, it's like, Life takes on this low grade buzz that feels difficult to be with. Something like wearing an itchy sweater. You know, that feeling when you have like an itchy sweater and it's just, it's kind of like, well, you know, I'm going to wear this because it's going to keep me warm, but like, ugh, there's kind of a relief when you can finally take it off. So here's the thing, and I have. Some posts on yourcourageouslife.com about this. The discontent has a purpose. I don't think that we should be so quick to run away from discontent. The discontent has a purpose, to get you to pay attention. If you don't pay attention to the discontent, it amps up to feelings of intolerance and a sense that the bullshit that you're tolerating is reaching a tipping point and it's gone too far. When you're in this stage of a transition, most people quickly identify something as the kind of scourge of their unhappiness and they start looking for escape routes and quick exit strategies. And they start going, uh, It's the job. Can I quit the job? It's the marriage. Can I quit the marriage? And there's a lot of drama too around how do you know when to quit? And my next podcast episode, by the way, is going to be on how to know when to quit because, uh, spoiler alert, I've been in a big life transition in my own life for about a year now. And knowing when to quit is another thing I've been trying to figure out lately and I've had some really big insights around knowing when to quit. So check out the next podcast episode if you wanna know when to quit. But when this discontent is coming up, there's a lot of like, can I quickly identify the problem? And then if I identify the problem, can I quickly quit the problem? And then there's a lot of drama around, do I really need to quit the problem? So here's what you need to know. This is a time period of paying attention. What's actually going on here? You might talk to people, ask them questions. You might be inclined to go deeply internal during this phase. You might also, by the way, start feeling inexplicably irritated or depressed. It's that itchy wool sweater feeling growing worse because there's no immediate relief. So discontent ups to intolerance. It starts to feel intolerable to be in that discomfort. And this is a time period of paying attention Now, sometime after intolerance, there's usually a feeling of despair when the answers don't come easily, or there's at least a a pulling at the reins, a kind of, hold on, let's not get ahead of ourselves, kind of feeling that comes over you. It's a desire to, like, just, okay, this is too intense, i got to pull back on doing any personal inquiry, or maybe I could find a way to ignore my personal inquiry altogether. That's a tempting proposition at this point. The work in this moment of needing to actually change, needing to do life differently, needing to quit something in order to make room for what's next suddenly feels like a ton of work. And it's overwhelming. And sometimes we want to pull the reins for, I think, very healthy reasons. You know, wisdom steps in. To remind us, you know, you might be wrong about what needs to change. Let's not do this too quickly. It might not be the job. It might not be the marriage. Job and marriage, by the way, top two things people think it is when they're really actually navigating some kind of big life transition under the surface. doesn't mean that jobs and marriages don't need to be left. It's just that often those are the first two things that people point to. So this is the work of actually questioning whether the transition that is before you is about something deeper. And that too can feel like a really overwhelming idea to parse out. This is the crossroads moment in navigating any big life transition. This is the threshold where you will decide that the work of personal transition is or is not worth it. Now, here's the thing, though. The voices of fear are probably going to be really loud for you at this moment in a transition. They're probably going to be telling you things like, you have to make the right decision at this juncture. You got to figure it out. I've noticed that With any transition that someone really needs to make, though, the change that they need to make is an inevitability. Sit with that for a moment. So, there actually is no right timing for the truest personal transitions of life. A true transition functions more like a current and Once you've examined any feelings of discontent long enough, you're in that current. And once you're in that current, there really is no going back. Although to continue the metaphor, if you decide to pull back, the current might slow down a bit, but once you're in, you're in. I also feel the need to say that someone who decides, you know, gets in that fear, that overwhelm, like, what am I even doing here? I don't even know what I need to do. Someone who's in that moment isn't necessarily stronger or more courageous if they forge ahead than someone who backs off and delays or pulls back the reins and says, I don't know, maybe now's not the time. Pulling back the reins is not a sign that you're doing it wrong. Like I said, when you're in the current, you're in the current. The truth about the transitions that we need for our lives is that backing off doesn't actually take you out of the current of that transition. Backing off actually only raises the sense of intolerability. Like you, if, it's, if you're really in the middle of a transition, you can back off all you want, but what's going to happen when a transition is necessary on a soul level, backing off might temporarily alleviate some of that anxiety you feel about making a change. But as your mind turns over why things just don't feel right, you'll feel that discontent again, you'll feel that intolerability again. It's something of an inevitability that if you use that discontent, you'll come to realize what must change. You are in that current, you are in the transition, it is happening. So then here's the crazy thing about navigating a big life transition. We live in this culture that romanticizes transitions as being these big aha moments. And I talk about a lot that, you know, we live in a culture that really romanticizes courage and makes courage into this glittery adventure. So when we're trying to practice courage in the middle of a big transition, we often have these expectations that are very cinematic We have these expectations that fit into some kind of, like, storyline arc where you can easily recognize the necessity of change and then start taking steps in that direction and then, whoops, encounter external obstacles along the way, but remain committed to your mission, and then voila, because you stayed committed, you get what you want. You get the happy ending. But... Yeah, (laughs) life's transitions as in like real life, the life I'm living, the life every other friend I've ever known is living, they tend not to function that way. I mean, (laughs) I'm laughing because it's just so painful to be in the messy middle of a transition and yet so human. So let's talk about what it's really like to be in that messy middle because they don't function with a storyline arc. Rather, people recognize the necessity of change in their lives, and then they do things like beat up on themselves as, you know, you're not enough, you're not up to the task, or start blaming someone else for why change is impossible, or they numb out with wine or Netflix or Facebook. They dig themselves deeper into a hole more often than not. And then if they again recognize a necessity for change because they're in that current and it's like, You know, all the numbing out in the world or beating up on yourself, like it's not going to get rid of that discontent that starts becoming an intolerability. If they recognize a necessity for change, they often flounder and they go through this period. We all go through this period of being unsure. What change do I need? And then that cues again, this swapping out variables like career, life partner, maybe the city you live in. And those swaps might even bring about some of the change that you want. But then that nagging headache of discontent and unrest will come back. At which point someone might realize, the changes I need most are more personal and more internal. The transition itself is not an external transition. If you are in the mess of a transition right now and it feels like hell, you need to understand that you are not actually in the middle of an external transition, even if you can easily identify the external variables if you are really feeling the hell of the mess and the confusion, you are navigating a personal transition. And this is about something internal that is rewiring itself. The commitment really is a commitment to staying with the internal obstacles that get in the way, not the external obstacles. Like, let's go back to movies. In movies, the external obstacles, the villain, the system, and, of course, in most rom-coms, the fact that the protagonist's true love is currently married or with someone else. Those, those are the external obstacles that are easy to spot. But in life, the internal obstacles, the place where you think you're not enough, and this mindset influences every choice you make, or the lifelong fear-based habit of self-sabotage that you don't even realize you're engaging in, the rage, the grief you might have never dealt with, the skill set you lack around forming deep connections, these are actually really difficult to spot during a true internal transition. Okay. So, with behavioral habits, We are so used to doing things the way that we've always done them that we assume this is the way that I am. Think about this for a minute, by the way. Perfectionism, people-pleasing or martyrdom, pessimism, self-sabotage. These are the four most common fear patterns that I talk about in my book, The Courage Habit. I'm going to talk about them in the Courageous Living program as well. How many times have you heard someone describe themselves this way? Oh, I'm a classic perfectionist. Oh, I, I, you know, I'm a total people pleaser. We don't even stop to go, hold on a second. Those are behavioral habits, and you might be really practiced at them, but they're not who you are. They're patterns of behavior that you engage in. So with behavioral habits, we often assume this is the way that I am. And in fact, the Zen Buddhists talk about how common it is that when someone begins seriously meditating, they often have this concurrent, sudden, and seemingly paranoid fear that they're going to die. You might be like, "What, Kate? why, why, why are you talking about that all of a sudden? Well, let me string this all together. So Zen Buddhists, it's a totally common thing that when someone goes really deep into meditation, They have this literal feeling or thought that is a very real fear that they're going to die. And the way the Zen Buddhists explain it, this is the ego realizing that because the meditator is now paying attention, the ego realizes the jig is up. Things are going to change. So the ego throws out the biggest possible fear it can, a fear that you will not survive this. And as the Zen Buddhists explain it, this fear that you could die will feel really real. It's very trippy. I've had it. (laughs) Will feel really real until you realize that the ego is talking about its own death and you are not your ego. This fear that you won't survive what's before you when you are in the middle of a big personal transition, this fear all about that identity. It's not really you, 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 you at your core that's afraid of not surviving. It's your fear pattern that is afraid of not surviving. It's your fear pattern throwing the biggest thing it can at you. I don't know if we can do this. And that's why I'm always trying to remind people you are not your fear. Your fear-based, critical voices are wounds, they need help, they need healing, but they are not you. The voices really, I like to put them as just, they're simply part of my experience. That's all. And their fear-based voices come up, that's what happens as part of the experience. So, Okay. Life transitions when you're in the thick of it like this now, all right, you might be thinking, got it, Kate, understood, Uh, you know, like (laughs) fear, not me, yet I'm still in the thick of it. What the hell do I do? How do I work with, how do I work through all that's coming up for me? Because this discomfort is really real and it's almost intolerable. Here's what I think. I think you sleep more. I think you drink more water. I think you ditch alcohol or drugs or anything that numbs you out and then spits you right back into being more prone to getting tossed off into your fears. You ever know how alcohol does that in particular? I don't drink a lot of wine or alcohol these days. In fact, I've gone many months at this point without having any and one of the things that I feel really consciously aware of at this point is that, um, like, the numbing effect of alcohol, like, how long does it really last? If I have a couple glasses of wine, how long am I really numbed out? Like, what, a half hour? Maybe an hour? It doesn't really last. And then I'm more prone to believe whatever my fear says as the, the alcohol sort of fades away. It's, it's not really an effective strategy. So what do you do during this time? You know, you, you ditch the alcohol or drugs or anything that numbs you out chemically. You read more books. You spend more time alone or more time in the company only of those people who you've noticed inspire you to think bigger than you usually do. Who are those people in your life who always tend to assume that anything in life is figure outable, that of course you can do anything you set your mind to? Who are those people? Find them. Hang out with them. And here's the biggest thing I've been doing, because, you know, I'm not immune to any of this stuff. My fear is really loud when I'm in the middle of a transition. I think you, you name the transition. That's something I've been doing a lot of. So the, what that looks like is the fear comes up, and you say to yourself, to the fear, to all the feelings. I'm navigating a life transition. So you have a day where you feel like you're completely confused and and you just literally, you say to yourself, I'm in the midst of a big transition. You have a moment where you wanna throw in the towel. So you go over to the mirror, you make eye contact with yourself and you say out loud, this is what it feels like to navigate a life transition. You do this because you got to know that really there's no way out of a transition once you're in the messy middle. If you turn back now, you're only going to feel the discomfort you felt when you started out. The whole thing's going to just repeat itself, maybe even amplified. If you keep going, at least, then there's got to be some respite up ahead. And really, I want to promise you there is. The respite is that the more you sit with the discomfort and challenges of a personal transition, the hardier and more resilient you get. It's like working a muscle. You stand stronger. You have the fortitude to say your true yes and your true no. Ooh, and this is my favorite. You start getting more in touch with your instincts. And what's more, instead of feeling an instinct and thinking, but that's crazy. Am I crazy? You think things like, the only thing that's crazy is a world that tells itself that following your instincts is crazy. This is, I promise you, a truer and better respite than the world of easy, logical, linear answers this knowing and touching down into who you truly truly are, it'll carry you through your whole life. It's great if you realize something about your job or marriage or how to handle a conflict with a difficult person. But it's priceless if you really walk through the fire here and you realize something about your truest nature, if you realize something about how to follow your heart. I want to ask you the next time you're navigating a life transition, or if you're navigating a particularly difficult one right now, to remember this. You're becoming a courageous warrior. You're stepping into the fire. And this kind of pressure creates something really beautiful and you actually do get stronger. You might feel weaker before you get stronger, but you do get stronger. I want you to remember during the most difficult of times that whatever internal challenges you are transitioning through, you've got it in you and the rewards are worth it. All right. That's today. I don't want to end this without saying how deeply I get it that when you're in the middle of a transition, there's this big feeling of F this. It's too hard. I hate this. I don't want to do this. And that's really, really real to navigate. I am not just throwing glitter on a difficult process here. I'm saying I wholeheartedly know that each of us has it in us to walk through whatever we're facing, you have it in you. It's really messy. Everybody goes through this place where they feel like they can't. You're not alone in that. And no matter what your fear tells you about how you can't, I know that you can. Thanks everybody for listening to today's episode. It's always an honor. So appreciate the feedback, the reviews, all that you give.